This is Not Your Average Bucket List by Only In Your State, a podcast about exploring the hidden gems right in your own backyard. Okay, I'm really excited to talk about West Virginia because I've never been. Really? I've never, never. I don't even think I've driven through. Yeah. Okay. It's it, it wasn't on my route to places that I would usually drive. Um and I know that it, it has like a history in coal mining. And correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. There's like a history in coal mining. There's a ton of natural beauty. It's like a really, I think, underrated state in the United States. And then also apparently it has a really long list of haunted places, ghost stories, and like creepy creatures. Oh, the longest. Okay. So yeah, it's smack dab in the middle of Appalachian Mountains. By the way, I am going to say it incorrectly because where I grew up in the foothills, I, we just all said Appalachia, but I feel like it's more okay. a- accurate to say Appalachia with a ch. Okay. No, anyway. Yeah, Interesting. Right? I feel like I think every Appalachia. piece of West Virginia is in the Appalachian Mountains. And yeah, like you said, there's lots of cryptids, lots of creepy lore. It's just a mountainous forested state. And you'll just come across little tiny towns that are abandoned or, you know, little homes in the middle of the woods. And it just, it's not as remote as, say, the desert and you're driving through Nevada and there's nothing around you. But it's still isolated. Um, okay. it's, it's wild to actually drive through. Interesting. So I was, when I was researching, just making that comparison to Nevada that we talked about. But it's just like Nevada with a ton of greenery and hills yes um yeah if you've never been i mean you have never been to west virginia but if you have never as a listener i absolutely suggest you go um the new river gorge national park which we've covered on a linear state is there and it has so many stunning views and hikes and lookouts and if you've never gone you should go to the new river uh, gorge bridge it's the longest Hmm. single span arch bridge in the nation and it's wow. basically like the face of New River Gorge, and it is terrifying. I don't know how you are with heights, oh, but driving across it every time, my palms are sweaty. I just, I've seen Final Destination. I, you know, mm-hmm. it's just too much. Um, yeah. So the entire way, I am nervous, but it is gorgeous. And then once you get across the highway or across the bridge, there are some lookouts where you can be like, oh, I should have been terrified. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> that gosh. Is huge. Um, yeah, bridges for me, uh, it is one of those things later in life, I started developing, a, it's not a fear, but just like, you know, even going over the George Washington Bridge, yep. or there's one bridge near Tampa, the Sundial Bridge, which it's basically just you're going, you're going up on an incline all the way up and the bridge actually shuts down if the winds are too high. Yeah. Mm-mm. They have to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, I was driving my RV one time and the whole thing was like shaking. I don't know why. I just remember this so vividly that I was like clutching the steering wheel singing to Justin Bieber because like <laughs> that was just getting me out of the headspace of like, okay, everything's fine. You're doing fine. The beams will save me. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Justin Bieber. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So I drove through, it wasn't Tampa. I don't think it was Tampa. I was driving down from Ohio to Florida 
it must have been Jacksonville. It's not nearly as big of bridges, but there are some bridges going around the city. And it was just in the mm. middle of the, the shittiest weather. Um, and I was terrified. I, I also yeah. just wasn't used to the bridges in the city. So it was just, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, no. And also on those bridges, it's the lanes sometimes get so small and narrow that especially with people that are flying by you or whatever, and you're just, you yes. know, just holding on tight. Have you ever been to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? I've been through. Okay. But it was when I was younger when I lived in New Jersey. That's a similar experience for me because going from Ohio to Pittsburgh, you're on the highway, you go to a tunnel, and then as soon as you're out of the tunnel, it's exits on bridges everywhere, and you need to decide mm. now. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a lot of anxiety. But anyway, back to West Virginia. <laughs> um, I will say, oh, speaking of coal mining, if you do go to the New River Gorge, which you should, nearby is a, a is an abandoned coal town, Thurmond, West Virginia, which we have covered in a first-person experience, um, Everyday Explorers piece. But it's really just the coolest thing. You can go there. It's an abandoned town. I think they have like little, um, they might have like a little welcome center with tchotchkes. I went there once, but it was, ages ago and i want to say that they had like a pamphlet center um okay. but it's a really neat town to see and yeah it's and there's tons of those honestly throughout west virginia cool okay well yeah i am excited for anybody this is the first time listening we are not your average bucket list by only in your state my name is marissa i'm one of the hosts this is sarah she is also one of the hosts hi sarah hey marissa so uh, we're just going to jump into uh, Lunatic Asylum, which, cool. Uh, yes. Do you want to get – I think I have an idea of how to pronounce it, but if you want to uh, fill everyone in. So I'm going to park the car real quick. Do you mind if I shift our, our – Oh, yeah. Our uh, outline. Okay. Because I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. put up an intro and everything. <laughs> Um, oh yes yes um also uh, i do want since you brought it up i do want to say that um the naming of the uh of the hospital is very much so outdated and yeah. a trigger warning and we are going to talk about some uh some kind of horrific uh history of mental health so just fyi um but what i'm going to start with is we went back let's go back to appalachia and west virginia and how there are so many cryptids that are in the state. And if you're not aware, cryptids are basically animals that can't be proven to exist. So Loch Ness Monster, Chessie, um, Chupacabra, stuff like that. And it's it's seen as a pseudoscience, but I haven't been obsessed with it for quite some time. I just think it's the coolest thing, um, whether it's people spotting just like a larger than average German shepherd or you know there's something out in the woods I think that's fascinating so there's tons of them in West Virginia and I'm just gonna go through a little list and we're gonna talk about Ooh. a couple but nice. we have Bat Boy from Pendleton County we have the uh the headless students not quite a cryptid but a legend we have the Flatwoods monster the Mothman the I think Uga River monster if I'm pronouncing that correctly and then we also have, in terms of hauntings, the Sodder Children Disappearance and the Related Hauntings, the Legend of Screaming Jenny, the uh, the Hauntings of West Virginia State Penitentiary, Lake Shawnee, which is an abandoned amusement park in Mercer County. I think it's still, some still standing. And then, of course, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. 
And recently, there have been some trends going around on newer social media apps like TikTok or Reels on Instagram that are, I think, just the most fascinating thing. It's called the No You Don't Rules of Appalachia. So have you ever heard of this? Um, No, I have not. (laughs) It's great. So basically, it's kind of akin to like Skinwalker, uh, Wendigo myths out west to where if you live in Appalachia, it there the sayings are like okay if you heard someone whistle at you no you didn't if you hear someone call your name from the woods no you didn't if you are in your house at night and you think you see something outside of your window no you didn't so it's basically Mm -hmm. if you acknowledge someone calling for help or someone something that sounds like a baby crying in the woods or shouting your name you do not acknowledge or else it will target you and yeah, right? Like it is. Wow. If you look this up on um, like YouTube or TikTok, you'll see all of these like, you know, sightings of skinwalkers and things like that where people have recordings of them sitting on their porch, like in the middle of West Virginia, it's at night and you can hear these like cries in the distance, which are most likely maybe bobcats or coyotes, something like that. But it is just, I would, nope, hard nope for me all around. Okay, so. so so just to interject, <laughs> yeah. what do you think it is about West Virginia that like there's so much going on in terms of just creepy stuff? It has this like mm, je ne sais quoi. I don't know what it is <laughs> that it is just like the creepiest. You would think it's like in the middle of all these like populated states. So many people have driven through it, but it's also just a mystery. I think it's maybe it's wow. the Appalachian Mountains and the forest in every single part of that state is just forested, you know? It's mm. uh, it's it's hard to say. It's it's definitely it's, it's fascinating to it me. Is. I feel like out of every place we've covered so far, just everything you've listed sounds terrifying, but it's like also we're not I don't want to say that UFOs are not real because that's definitely not my stance, but it's like there's something about UFOs that you're just like, eh, well, maybe not. But you're talking about just like things that could potentially just be real across the board. And especially like Mothman, we're going to get into that. And like uh, hundreds of sightings yes. of this creature, like you know? Literally in newspapers across the nation. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, let's get into it. Uh, first, okay. we're going to talk about a tiny village in the middle of West Virginia. And, oh, it's in Brack. Oh, you would think I would have the name of the village. It's in Braxton County. Uh, Sutton. No, hold on, hold on. Pause. <laughs> I got so excited, I couldn't even remember. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of the town. Um. So it is from. Edit this. We'll edit it. <laughs> I almost don't want to. <laughs> just okay. Uh, I want to say it starts with an S. Let me let me just look it up real time. Uh, fact checking. Fact checking. Love that. Fact checking. We Sutton. do our due diligence here. It is Sutton. I I, I just panicked okay. and I didn't have it at the top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> look, we're only human, unlike the Flatwoods monster. Segway. Right. There we go. Okay. But no cryptids here, but oh, yes, continue. <laughs> Okay, tiny village of Sutton, less than 300 people in the middle of West Virginia. So this was in the 50s. 
1952, I think to be exact. And it was just one of those things where kids were outside playing the May brothers, Ed and Freddie, and then their friend Tommy were outdoors playing. They saw something red streak across the sky and is they thought it crashed on a nearby farm. So, you know, kids playing outside as you did before 1975, they just ran after it without their parents. Mm. Eventually, uh, I do think they grabbed the May mother who came along to witness it. And these Braxton County uh, residents that all saw the red streak, they went to the farm to see what happened. And they reported that a 10-foot Frankenstein-like monster was in the hills above the flatwoods. And even a National Guard member who was 17 years old <laughs> led the group and was investigating and saw a pair of glowing eyes in a tree. So that story in the midst of the Cold War era, everyone's afraid, you know, there's like the um, like the atomic scare. No one knows what's going on. So whenever a red light streaking across the sky, it crashes. Some boys in the neighborhood, their mom, a uh, National Guard member, sees it and reports it of having this like giant figure coming from mm. this crash. Yeah, people are interested. The local yeah. uh, news covered it. It got picked up by national radio and big papers across the country. And mm. even some of the witnesses were flown to, to New York to talk to CBS about it. Can you imagine wow. in this day and age? Just, yeah. I saw something in my backyard. It had glowing eyes, and I think it's an, a Frankenstein-like alien. I'm, then you get on Good Morning America. Right. So. I think what's fascinating about this is, like, when I was looking into it, so it's not really it, – they do think it's either, like, an extraterrestrial or a cryptid or, you know, like, what did they – what was the general consensus of this? It was an outer from outer space? Yeah. So – I mean, as far as I can tell, um, it is believed to be an extraterrestrial. If you see okay. a, uh, and I can put this in the video, but if you would imagine a very tall monster with a teardrop shaped head, that's red glowing eyes and even like a sort of like ceremonial robe. So definitely, um, alien origin kind of thing. Wow. Yes. Yikes. And yeah, there, there has been, there were sightings around that time, but unlike some other cryptids, it was kind of like a flash in the pan. This entire community saw it, basically. They reported on it, and this, you know, 10 to 20 foot tall creature, yeah, they were, they were freaked. Um, yeah. Now, what I enjoy so much about the Flatwoods Monster, it is such just a social and cultural icon like they have it on t-shirts there's a museum you can go visit like i i've never been but i need to go yeah i was even hearing that um the town itself hosts an annual festival like the flatwoods monster festival and then people kind of get together take a tour of the town their monster related mm -hmm. sites guest speakers yeah that would be fun i would definitely do that especially if it's happening during the daytime <laughs> well you know you do Look, what you got to do is go visit this museum, go to the festival, but then find a nice, like, rental home in the middle of nowhere in the hill. Yes. <laughs> and remember, I told you the rules. I let you know. Just oh, if, boy. If you hear someone whistling, just run inside. Doesn't matter if it's the people you're That's with. That's a given. Just get out of there.
Um, yeah, I don't even have to watch the YouTube or TikToks. Like, I already know that's a no for me. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, wow. So, yeah, the Flatwoods Monster or the Phantom of the Flatwoods. And I think it's also called the Green Monster. Um, so mm. it is it is incredibly popular. And related to that is one of our favorites or my favorites anyway. So in 1966 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, a local newspaper reported on a strange story about something that a couple of, or actually two couples saw whenever they were out one night. So on November 15th, two young couples from Point Pleasant, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Stephen Mary Mallet, they were out at an abandoned World War II munitions plant doing what couples do on back roads, I can only assume, whenever they spotted something terrifying. It was a large bird-like creature with glowing red eyes. And the most horrifying part about it is whenever they saw the creature, they were like, no, let's get the hell out of here. And it chased after them, screeching in the sky. So they reported it to the police. And this man-sized creature bird is sparking interest across the town. But even worse, other people began citing the exact same thing large glowing eyes, giant flying creature, and literally, I think that went on for about a year of sightings. So following all of the newspaper stories, both regionally and across the nation, like this was a nationally printed story, um, a year later, in, on December 15th in 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed in Point Pleasant and killed 46 people. And that incident almost itself gave rise to the legend and connected these sightings to this now famous Mothman cryptids because it's like a harbinger of doom. If you see the Mothman, that means something is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And have you ever seen the, um, the movie The Mothman Prophecies? Yes. Yes. That is just, I don't know when it, that had to have been like mid to late 90s, but that, whenever it was released, yeah. I was obsessed with it. I'm just like, oh, yeah. is, this, is this real? Like, <laughs> But did you know about this prophecy before the movie? I did. I was a little weirdo, and I, <laughs> I loved, like, cryptids and legends. Um, and for me, the Mothman, because, you know, like, um, they had all of those books that had, like, weird legends and kind of like, um, gosh, I forget – not like almanacs, but it's kind of like a strange, weird almanac. But so I would like yeah. get those and read them. And I thought that was really interesting. How about you? Like, were That's you cool. familiar with the Mothman before or? Oh, no, I think, I don't know. Just growing up in New Jersey, we had our own set of uh, creepy things going on that. Yeah, you had your own famous ones. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I did watch that movie and I, I had no idea until later on in life that that was actually based off of this creature and I love like some of these descriptions I feel like that you're using are really chilling like humanoid and you know like cryptid first and foremost like that sounds really creepy you know in and mm -hmm. of itself and then you have this like these other words that we're using and then the, the descriptions alone it's you know 10 to 15 feet in terms of a wingspan like that's wild you know six to seven feet tall for the Mothman, 10 feet tall for the Flatwoods Monster. Like, mm -hmm. these are some big things that, you know, kind of go without saying, like, anything. It's like a Slender Man kind of yes. thing. That stuff is creepy to me. 
Whenever, uh, whenever I read these stories, the part that gets me the most is whenever it starts to chase. Because that's the thing. If you see something that's a little bit off, you don't want anything to do with it, and you turn and run, and it starts coming toward you, that is just all sense leaves my brain. I am now in right. lizard brain survival mode and freaking yeah. out. Yeah. I don't even know what I would do in that situation. Having like, yeah, I would assume I would just like power through and, <laughs> you know, but dude, like you have something seven feet tall with 15 foot wingspan chasing after you, you know? So Jeez. many thought after the fact that it was either a heron or as you would be familiar, a sandhill crane. And mm. they are freaky to me. I, no offense to Floridians, but I hated the cranes. Like my, like around my brother's house, they were just like terrorizing the dogs, and you know yeah. they're they don't they don't care. They're gonna get in your way, and also they're they're pretty tall. They have like a red coloring around their eyes, so right. um, it's very plausible that if a crane was off its migratory path and we didn't recognize it in this area of the of the world, then yeah, maybe maybe that's what it was, or. Maybe not. I mean, the Flatwoods Monster, people also thought, okay, 20 foot up in a tree, that might have been an owl. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, maybe, but also maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I think that's the best part is that it's like, yeah, well, maybe not. But Sandhill Cranes, yeah, like I can't, I mean, unless it was just this giant anomaly of a crane that was yeah. that tall, because usually they're what, like three, four feet at most? Yeah. I mean, also, let's let's think about it. Two couples, and I assuming I don't I don't know their ages, but maybe let's say like late high school, early twenties, mm. at night, on a back road near an abandoned plant. Maybe they were enjoying themselves and were slightly inebriated, or right. didn't really know what they saw. Um, yeah, I mean, we all know also how just somebody says something and it's it just kind of steamrolls into a yep. bigger story that. You know, because let's say that these couples saw this, reported it, it became a news headline, and then all of a sudden your mind is kind of playing tricks on you and you think you see something out there mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you do. It's hard to say. Yeah. I, I will say that I know I'm fascinated with this and I feel like there's a lot of people in my age group that is that are very interested in cryptids because, and I don't know if this is like what we grew up with. Maybe everyone, all of us watching like unsolved mysteries and like weird things on the history channel. But now not only is there a Mothman festival that I think launched in the early aughts. <clears throat> so like 2002, 2003, but there's like a Mothman 5k. There's a 12 foot tall metallic statue of the Mothman in Point Pleasant, which is awesome. Wow. Um, yeah. It is just, they embrace it now. Same with the Flatwoods Monsters. Like, yeah, this is absolutely weird. And there's this kind of state pride to it. Yeah, definitely. I also think there is something to be said about these stories and how prior to the internet were really only shared via certain mediums. Yes. So that level of mystery was always there, especially if you're hearing it word of mouth. If you can only find a couple books at the library, mm -hmm. if you know, you could watch one special uh, on the History Channel. Now with the internet, maybe some right. of that mystery is being lost because it's, everything is so easily accessible that it's not really right. as, you know, now it's become more of a, like, I don't want to say a kitschy thing, but 
right. more of just like a touristy thing than an actual like, wow, this was terrifying. Yeah. You know? And I, I mean, I think conspiracies have evolved to a more, honestly, more terrifying uh, version now because of, you know, the digital age and all of this information yeah. being spread. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right because I would go to the library. I would check out these like weird, like, um, almanac books about monsters and I'd watch something on TV, but I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. I wasn't like cross-referencing everything. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, and there's a bit of nostalgia for me too. So I was terrified of this whenever I was little and now I'm still kind of mm. terrified of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you're just older, but still very scary. Correct. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I think West Virginia is really fascinating to me just in general with all of these. I would definitely go to these festivals just to check them out and maybe yes. talk with locals because I feel like that would be the fun part. Is you talk Absolutely. with locals from that have lived in that town forever and they could be like, oh, well, you know, I told you, uh, I told everyone, nobody listened. Yeah. And here we are. I want to hear their stories. Like, yep, it was 2 a.m. last week. I was just finishing up, you know, laundry. And then out the back door, I saw whatever, fill in the blank. Um, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really cool to go to all of these festivals and just, yeah, chat them up. There has to be some yeah. themed bars and restaurants. And if not, I'm making some. <laughs> <laughs> Opening up a Mothman bar. So this, so when we were talking about the trans Allegheny, is that mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay. So yes, um, the terminology is very outdated, which I'm surprised that nothing's really changed, mm -hmm. uh, especially with a place that, you know, it only closed like, what, 30 years ago-ish, kind yep, of, 90. 2004? Okay. Do you want to just, do you want to talk about, like, what, uh, what the heck this place was and how did it potentially become the most haunted place in West Virginia? Yes. So, to go to the very beginning, it, so Thomas Story Kirkbride was born to a family of Quaker farmers in Pennsylvania in 1809. And this was the man that was responsible for the construction of the hospital. He wanted to pursue science and medicine instead of farming, but he didn't really have the chops to get accepted into a residency in Pennsylvania. And through family connections, he was offered residency at the Quaker-run Friends Asylum for the Insane in Frankfurt. So that's how he got his start. But eventually, as he, you know, kind of advanced in his career and became, you know, um, directors for different hospitals and things like that, all very much focused on, um, like, mental illness and disorders, he then founded the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, which was constructed between 1858 and 1881. It's also the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America, and it's second wow. largest, allegedly, in the world next to the Kremlin. Wow. So, yeah, and and for being someone who didn't quite have enough, you know, I don't know if it was just like intelligence or expertise to get into, you know, a medical field on his own, he influenced the design of these like mental and medical hospitals, you know, across the country because the formation that he came up with actually was called like the Kirk the Kirkbride um method or something for building the hospital so having like wow. open air structures and the way that the wings were kind of um formed as well so and by the way all of this information is on the trans allegheny lunatic asylum website they have so much great information on the history on the hauntings and they offer 
tours and all, all the stuff. So this is, this is a lot of great information online they can easily get. So going back to this construction of the Trans-Allegheny um, Hospital, he built this like new, new hospital. It was supposed to house at least 250 people, but it was open to patients in 1864. And eventually, I think in the 1950s, it grew to having like 2,400 patients because as time went on and more and more mental disorders were being, um, mental illnesses were being diagnosed and people were being put into the hospital. (laughs) I think they were even being offered money to, for if people wanted to drop someone off the hospital, they would get paid. (laughs) So there was just like, goodness. Right. So they were offering money to get patients and the care and the overcrowding was just, wild at that point you know like it's just growing and growing so obviously the staff at the hospital could no longer you know maintain if it was over 250 people there were thousands so it was just an absolute mess where people weren't being treated you know with um hygiene in mind they were being treated cruelly and not to mention you know mental hospitals in this day didn't exactly treat their patients with, uh, you know, like cutting edge technologies that we have today or with empathy. (laughs) Um, Mm. So there was a lot of people just being ignored, abused, abused by other patients, abused by the people that work there, you know, handing out laudanum and lobotomies just to like help Mm -hmm. cure their illness. And it was just a horrific place where a lot of pain and death just from basically the beginning, you know? Yeah. So it's no wonder that there are so many haunted areas of this hospital because its history is just rife with, you know, just tragedy. I feel like that's, it's a lot of your typical mental hospital story from that time period where you have bad conditions, improper practices, um, illegal procedures sometimes, Mm -hmm. really dire circumstances. And it's just, like a recipe for people to be dying in these tragic circumstances and then want to come back and just wreak havoc. Yes. Uh, yep. You know, and I, to me, the fact that tons of TV shows have been to this asylum and mm-hmm. they're really trying to prove that the hauntings are real. And yeah. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it was, it's one of those places that draws you in not only for, the interesting history and the beauty of the building and like how if you if you t- take the tragedy aside if you just stumbled upon this place you'd be like oh wow what is this i want to go inside it's huge it's mm-hmm. beautiful whatever but then yeah when you learn about patients being murdered by other patients and overcrowding and poor care and all of the like lethal combinations of everything it is shocking it just it's almost like there isn't just one haunting there's countless countless people have been through here so yeah i wouldn't blame any you know tv show journalist researcher for wanting to go there and at least poke around um yeah i i think it's also interesting that these unexplained phenomena that are occurring that have led to the assumption that it's haunted it to me just seems really like tepid in terms of what it could potentially be like it's just you know, unexplained voices and sounds and apparitions when really 
the circumstances of this hospital and how these people died, you would think that they would be, you know, I don't know, causing more uh, mayhem in terms of their hauntings, potentially. I mean, look, you're, I'm not going to say I wouldn't stay overnight at this place, but whenever it has so much, <laughs> so much horror in its past, it gets to the point where I'm like, look, I'm not sure if I want to put my toe over that line. Um, right. Even the point. the owner's family who are like running the um the tours and things have handfuls of stories about yeah I was leading a, a group through the through the hospital and I felt pressure on my shoulders and I didn't want to say anything but like maybe please say something to me if you think oh, yeah yeah you did a tour well okay so <laughs> I think it was maybe like four years ago. I planned to go to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. I was actually going to like set up a bunch of cameras and recordings and go with a few friends who like were interested in the same stuff. Like we had it all kitted out. We had bags and things. Um, and then as I'm about to leave, a blizzard hits. We get almost to West Virginia and cars are just sliding all over the highway. And we know that it's up on a hill. And I was trying to Google like, can I get up this hill in a blizzard? And it was just not... So no, I, and maybe that was, you know, divine intervention. <laughs> like, I'm a little bit afraid to go back now, because what if that was my one chance? And they're like, no, just mm -mm, stay away. It. Yeah. <laughs> Were you going to just do a tour or like an overnight? Uh, I think it wasn't overnight it was overnight or a late tour because we had like lots of like lighting and camera equipment. So we were, wow. we were ready. <laughs> Oof. Yowza. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. No surprise there. Add that one to the no can do for Marissa column. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can go on a historic tour during the daytime and yeah. keep the lights on. Just tell you about the horrific history of this hospital. And you know, you know, it's a fun time, fun, positive time. It also just looks really unsettling inside. Just, you know, typical paint peeling type probably could picture these blood curdling screams. And I, I uh, that's... Wow. I don't know what it is about um, – I actually have photos of a place that we're going to be talking la about later on in the season that I've had uh, friends and family break into and take pictures, and I was just obsessed with it because, yeah, it's peeling paint. Like there were children's rooms with like faded paintings and stickers, and it's just knowing mm – -mm. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That combination <laughs> – of the past and the torture and the present is just a big thing oh, now. Very unsettling. Mm -hmm. So there is one story that I that I found on onlyinyourstate.com, and I'm not going to share the whole thing, but I am gonna I'm gonna put it in the show notes so that people can click on it, go to the website, read it from Only in Your State. But did you hear about this story about uh, this Zona Heaston shoe? Is her name? She's a ghost. No. It's like the okay, wildest story. Just like quick in quick summary. Okay. As the legend goes, there's this woman named Zona Heaster Shoe. She was found dead, mysterious circumstances. This was in Greenbrier County, West Virginia. Her husband was accused of the murder. However, it was the testimony of her ghost that what? ultimately led to her <laughs> conviction. What? <laughs> I'm not gonna give anything else away, but for anybody that wants to find out what else happened here, uh, go to onlyinyourstate.com. 
you can search for Zona Heaster in the uh, magnifying glass in the upper right-hand corner, or I'm going to drop the link in the show notes and then you can read all about it. That is just but, cruel. <laughs> wow. Love it. I know. I mean, maybe we should just like put that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> right. You're right. Yes. But then, yeah. Shame no. on me for, for getting on my, my rant early on. Wow. No. Okay. So much great content in West Virginia. Haunted stuff. Like, it's, it's yeah. wild to me. It really blew my mind researching this episode. Yeah. I, I would say that, you know, in terms of, I know we're going to cover some other states nearby later on in the season, but you could really do a bunch of regional spooky road trips in a relatively small amount of space. Yeah, like it wouldn't definitely. take a long time to go back and forth. So, wow. Okay, I am. Yeah. I know what I'm doing immediately after recording this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Hope, dive yeah. in. Get ready. <laughs> um, and next week we're gonna be back talking about local lore and legends in South Carolina. Ooh, that's. You know Sticking what? I'm, to the south. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, there is. I don't know much about South Carolina in terms of lore, so it's gonna be a very educational experience for me so i'm excited if you're up for an audio adventure we will be exploring local lores and legends in the u.s on season two of not your average bucket list available on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite shows so make sure to like subscribe and join us Only In Your State is an award-winning travel publisher that uncovers hidden gems and local favorites across the U.S. We have a presence in all 50 states with a passionate following of fellow travelers looking to get out and explore. Head on over to OnlyInYourState.com to find the best attractions in your backyard and beyond.